In this episode of Mind, Body, and Beyond, I'm talking about dreams with Carrie Honey. Carrie is a dream analyst and author who is an expert on the Eastern and Western archetypes behind dreams, astrology, and oracles such as the I Ching. She's also the creator of the app Way of Dreams Interpreter Tool and the website CafeOSoul.com. Carrie Hone, thank you so much for talking to us at Mind, Body, and Beyond. I was so interested by all the work you're doing in astrology and tarot and music, and you've got so many exciting things happening. I was especially interested in your work on dreams. Why are dreams so important? Why should we care what's in our dreams? I mean, it's no secret that most of us are, at, you know, going out into the world looking for answers and, you know, trying out different philosophies and spiritual disciplines. But we don't realize that nature designed us with our own inner guru. And in the same way that while we sleep, our body is removing toxins, our mind is healing itself too. It's mm-hmm. healing itself of the blockages, you know, that, that, create self-defeating behavior. And so, you know, when we dream aspects of consciousness that usually don't allow us to see beyond our blind spots, they become inactive. And so in that way, we'll, you know, we're usually dreaming about what we don't know, the opposite of what we believe to be true about ourselves. So, um, and and I feel like they're bizarre because it's the only way that that content can sort of make its way into you know, our paradigm. And I I call them the Trojan horses of the psyche because dreams will cleverly plant these seeds that, you know, give birth to a shift in perspective. So whether or not we remember them, they're nature's mechanism to break us free, you know, from our self-defeating ideas. So it just seems to me that if we're born with this ability, um, you know, and, and, and really connecting with the information, really uh, fast forwards our ability to be authentic and live more joyfully, to live more passionately. So why go out and read a bunch of books or join a bunch of spiritual things when you, when your dreams are so much more organic, I guess that would be my answer. Yeah. And unique to you, but why? uh, Yes, exactly. Do you have to understand the symbolism of your dreams in order to get meaning from it? Well, that's a good question because most people don't remember their dreams and you don't need to remember your dreams to be getting the benefit of the healing. You know, uh, you may have, you may have like adopted something that's really self-limiting and while you're asleep, your mind is in this free flow of exploration, undoing, you know, these ego defenses or whatever. So you wake up, you don't even know what happened, but you've been changed a little bit. But what I find is that when people you know, really start paying attention to their dreams, they're able to fast forward that or they're able to like, uh, kind of get a little more information about what what it is that makes them authentic, or, you know, somebody could be hiding, you know, a sense of unhappiness in the dream, you know, is trying to lead them towards something more joyful. So, and in terms of like, whether, you know, like how to interpret them, you know, there's tons of resources. Now I have a dream dictionary on my website and, you know, I have an app that you can type in your dream. So there's tons of resources that have grown, I'd say over the last 15 years, because when I was first writing about dreams, people were still, you know, thinking of them as nonsense. But I think today, um, you know, I think my way of dreams app, when I released it in 2007, it shot up to the top 10 in iTunes. So it kind oh, of, it, it shows you that the early adopters and the, you know, younger generation are very interested in their dreams. So, you know, there's, you know, there's resources to learn what, what the dreams mean. What about nightmares? I love nightmares. In fact, a oh. lot of, <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, a lot of people reach out to me because, because of nightmares and you kind of have to think of the psyche as a garden. And when we have dreams of like natural disasters or it's just sort of an upheaval, that's a quaking. And so a nightmare is actually a positive sign that something very productive is happening and being, you know, something that's been holding us back is being released. So, you know, there's always the sense that uh, when I'm doing dream work with people, there's no bad dream, just as there's no, you know, bad oracle readings or, you know, there's always meaning in whatever events unfold for us. 
So even though, even though it can be a very frightening um, experience to have a nightmare, you kind of have to think about it at, in terms of, well, what did it, what did nature need to shake us out of our boots? You know, if it had to be, if it had to be something shocking and memorable, that would be the real keyword because it was so gory or, you know, there's some part of it. And which brings me to the idea of, uh, I, 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 the idea of the attack can be in chase dream. Someone's mm. trying to kill us, you know, mm. the, in the dream, everybody's representing aspects of us. So we may be adopting an identity that we haven't quite, yeah, we haven't quite integrated it. So it feels like this new persona is, you know, in, you know, uh, conflict with who we believe ourselves to be and death in a dream, you know, the ultimate uh, worst thing that could happen, I guess, is really just a transformation. And I've been doing this for decades and with people all over the world and always without fail after any kind of, you know, nightmare or death dream that the person will dream of having an unknown child. Which is the archetype, and that and that unknown child is the birth of this new side of themselves. They don't know who the baby is, but all of a sudden they have to care for it. Wow, it's a great segue to my question about archetypes. Do archetypes transcend culture, or does each culture have their own archetypes? And what are some common archetypes that might appear in dreams? So you're mentioning a baby, mm-hmm, the unknown child. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. You know, just as symbols are pretty much, you know, universal, like we dream of houses as a representation of our paradigm or transportation symbols, whether we're going over water, emotional, or, or like a train where the tracks feel like they've been set down for us. You know, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty much universal. And archetypes are as well. You know, they're, um, they're basically uh, like, for example, the, the main one would be women dreaming of men and men dreaming of women because you know number the number one thing to remember with dream interpretation is everything even other people that appear in dreams are us so um when when a man is exploring a sensitivity he may dream of a woman that we call the anima and sometimes she could be really crazy in the beginning and then at some point she's trying to kiss or have sex with him and you know guys will just dismiss that as a sex dream when it's really that kissing and copulation is the integration of what the anima represents for the man, which is his sensitive, uh, maybe something in life has you know, encouraged him to be more sensitive, more feeling oriented, and that seems crazy, you know, and, and in the same way for a woman, she can dream of a man um, as the animus, and he's embodying, you know, what she learned from father, her ability to provide for herself, um, so the, you know, so that those are very common. Um, and and I, I work with people in cultures that are very repressed, like some of my clients grow up in, you know, that type of uh, in some of the eastern climates or, you know, that are that can be very, um, <clears throat> you know, they don't allow the woman to have a lot of freedom, let's say. So the the uh, transformation process can take more time, but they're going to follow the same path. And I see like, you know, the shadow, which is the embodiment of what we have denied about ourselves, you know, the stalker dream that can a man, a male stalker can, you know, appear in a very successful businesswoman's dreams over and over because it's some part of her identity, maybe from mm. childhood, where because she had to take care of everybody, maybe she was the black sheep or rebelled or, you know, and, and while she grows up to really prove her worth, this identity that's bad, you're bad, you know. So the stalker is again, going back to your question about nightmares, it's really just some side of her that wants to come in and sleep in its own bed. You know, so the, so these shadow characters, the anima, the animus, as well as the trickster, you know, the trickster is any part of a dream where a character says something that makes absolutely no sense, you know, and it's really trickster's uh, role as an archetype is to help us recognize our inconsistencies that trap us, you know, um, I call them like the late night comedians of the dreamscape. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty common around the world. Um, you, you know, we can have archetypes that are famous people, you know, uh, people, uh, people often dream of Brad Pitt. Hmm. You know, he shows up a lot because I think, I think he's a good representation of the male female balance in the psyche, there's sensitivity, but then there's assertiveness, there's caring, 
And, and, and that's the thing with the psyche is that we all, whether male or female, need to have a balance of sensitivity and nurturing or, you know, intuition, as well as be empowered and, and able to stand up for what we need. And, um, and so that's, you know, which is, which kind of brings up um, the old flame dream, oh. you know, like people ask me, people ask me a lot about that. Yeah. Like tell you us can more. have a man or woman. <laughs> you can have a man or woman who who's happily married, right? For years, you know, and they dream of the old flame and they're having sex with the old flame or, or whatever. And the, the, the normal orientation is to wake up and think, oh my gosh, should I call that person or what, you know, why are they in my dreams? When that old flame was probably played a part in, in validating our worthiness at some point, right? Maybe when we were in our 20s, now we're in our 40s. Or, and so maybe some part of our tapestry or experiences currently are bringing up self-love as a challenge, you know? And so then that character appears again. So it's really, you know, that's another thing that people have a hard time understanding dreams is even the other people that appear in our dreams are representing us. So the, the old flame is actually us, you know, connecting with the ability to, you know, validate our own worthiness, find self-love for ourselves. <clears throat> so just remembering that everybody's us in dreams. And I always say too, like um, when a person appears in your dream, think of the adjective that you would use to describe them. Maybe they're aggressive. Well, it, why are you um, in your dreamscape examining aggressiveness? Are you being too passive? Is it, a part, is it a quality you're trying to release? So you just think in terms of the adjective mm -hmm. and not the person. And that's kind of what archetypes are all about because archetypes can shape shift as well. Like you can, as I mentioned, the crazy woman is really a combination of trickster and, and anima for the man, you know, and they, so they, so they're, they're kind of fluid. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I want to ask you um, about color. And I know if you, like you, you wake up and you Google, let's say we're not using your app for a second, but you Google, you know, I saw a red wall and you see 20 different meanings for the color red. And I'm thinking about color because just this morning, just before I woke up, I dreamed I was pulling on a gray shirt. Right. And I'm not a gray type of person. And so I'm wondering, well, remember I said, we kind of, we, we dream of, we usually dream of the opposite of what we believe about ourselves. But <clears throat> when you ask about red, Red is generally associated with color. I mean, with passion, mm. you know, like we see, we see red or we feel love or, you know, the blood flowing through our veins and, and, you know, yeah, I, you know, there are some very old archaic uh, translations for some of the dreams that mean nothing, you know, they're, at, they're not, they, they try to be prophetic or something, but um, you know, you, there may be some inconsistencies of, of dream interpretations, but I'd say over the years of doing this, you know, I notice more and more when I'm looking at what other people are doing, they, everybody seems to have kind of like gotten into the same uh, sense of why certain things would have a certain meaning. Now, when you say that you dreamed of putting on a gray shirt, you know, and going back to the idea that we're dreaming, you know, like you may consider yourself to be flamboyant or passionate or, you know, and so, why would all of a sudden there you be put, you know, the shirt can represent the identity. It can represent work. It can represent, you know, your persona. And so the quest, you know, cause that's the thing is dream dreams don't present answers. They present questions. Yeah. So you say, why should I consider what, what needs to be toned down or am I being too toned down? You know, should I be, you know, doing something to make myself louder you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like wearing, like wearing those um, sweaters with the animals for Christmas or those funny Christmas sweaters or, you know, so it's kind of, so it's just presenting that question to you. Do you need to tone it down or do you need to not be so toned down? Yeah. Yeah. And the context of what the color, where the color's appearing, of course, that makes so much sense. Right. What, what it is and what color it is. Yeah. We'll tell you, we'll tell you a lot. Yeah, totally. Now um, tell us how we can help remember our dreams better? This is the big question. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Which is a good question. So um, what, I, what I noticed, like when I'm working with clients uh, over a three-week period and they are sending me like a week's worth of dreams, I see repetitive themes over and over and over. So like they, 
they've dreamed the same story or question, let's say, in five different landscapes. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. So when some when somebody says, I don't really remember my dreams or I only remember a portion or symbol, well, that's enough because that one symbol, if you remember it and just explore it, you know, there's there's a lot of insight there. And and so um, I also think it's important that we understand the difference between the waking mind and the dreaming mind. So the, they, they behave very differently. The day mind is focused on survival. It, it's, it wants to know what's out of place, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be organized. And it's under control of the ego. And I hate to use that word because I really could reduce ego to a word like fear, but you know that's generally the idea. Where the dreaming mind is much more visually driven uh, imagery. And, um, so the, so you can kind of sense that if we said the left brain is more of the day mind, the right brain is more of the dreaming mind. So here we are in, I had said that when we, when we sleep, many aspects of consciousness, of consciousness abates or our sense of identity, logic, reasoning. A lot of that is just, you know, put to sleep along with our bodies. The, our bodies are designed not to move while we're in our dreams so that we don't act out. So dreaming is very important. You know, um, so while we're in that, you know, flowy, visually driven right brain approach, it's we normally start to wake up and immediately shift back into the left brain. What do I have to do today? What, you know, and so they're so different that you you lose the ability, you know, you lose the information. So one trick, one trick that I again, realizing that you only need one symbol if you want, you know, if you want to begin is right before you wake up, like try to stay with one image. So let's say that it's a horse and without thinking, just say the word horse, say the word word horse while you're waking up, you should have a notepad by your bed and write down the word horse, because now you're using a word, which is left brain fodder. And you've kind of tricked it from, you know, get, get getting back to its normal business of, of consuming our thoughts and attention. Oh. And now we've got a word. And as you start writing the word horse, it'll connect to, oh, yeah, and it was a horse and he was running along the seashore, you know. And so, that, you know, now you've got like the seashore. OK, so this is something that has to do with spirit, uh, you know, passion, the, the horse, you know. Um, it's near the seashore. So there's some sort of unconscious processes, big bodies of water can represent what lies kind of deeper in the psyche, you know, so that's being explored. And the more you start working with your dreams and giving them credibility, the more that the information comes forward. So it's kind of, I I call it, it's like a butterfly. You don't grab it and grasp it and you just sort of like let it float around. What's it doing? Oh, it has purple spots. Oh, you know, you just, you kind of like go, go at it very gently. And now as you've written down seashore, it's like, but yeah, there was a policeman there and he was like asking everybody for their uh, IDs and I didn't have one. You know, so, okay, we got a little more information. There's some, everybody's you, the police are your critical and regulating side of your psyche. Thou shalt, thou shalt not, you know, these are the rules. Um, Meeting a loss of identity, which can be a very good thing when you're going through a transformation. So kind of standing up to the policeman or whatever happens, you know, so you got all these images now to work with and go, okay, I see, you know, I want to, you know, live a little more freely, passionately, like the horse on, you know, there's some good, valuable stuff that can come from the deeper recesses of who I am, because I'm by the shore of the sea. And now I've met this policeman and I was, you know, I confidently walked away when I told him I didn't have my ID or however the dream unfolds, you know, um, so I guess my point is, once you start with the one symbol, then another symbol comes. And then as you've worked a couple of weeks with your dreams, I'm telling you, people send me books. I'm wow, like, more and like more, it, it just comes. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, yeah, like have a, have a pad next to your bed to write and just don't, you know, don't allow the left brain to like, like don't start analyzing. Ah. That'll, that'll shut it down. It's like two sides Mm-mm. of of the same mind. What about lucid dreaming? Do you deal with that in your work with your clients? Well, not really, because there's a lot of people that um, I wouldn't like say, I mean, lucid dreaming is a sense of waking up while you're dreaming. 
which happens a lot for a lot of people, especially when you have people that then are like, and then, so I was flying. I knew I could fly. So I jumped off the roof and I, you know, and, and as a dream analyst, I would just see that as, wow, some big shift has happened in your life where gravity has no more effect on you. Symbolically, you can reach for higher, you know, goals, you know, that's kind of, kind of what's happening. But, but in terms of people that, um, that, that want to go out and have lucid dreams, it's kind of, to me, defeats the purpose because we're the witness in the dream to a process. And last thing we want to do is introduce ego and its desire to get rich and da, 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 whatever yeah. to this very, you know, sacred, sacred landscape. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't knock it. And I know that people find meditation in it or, or whatever, but it's not my bailiwig, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> so, oh, so. that's a good point. Okay. Um, what about this very common dream where you're unprepared, you know, you're in a classroom, you haven't studied or you're at work and everything's, you know, up in the air. It's so, so common in many contexts. There must be a meaning to that. Well, yeah, it's that that would be sort of like a control dream. Like if, first of all, if you're dreaming of being in a, in a school or taking classes, that can be symbolic of of learning something. And if you follow the dream with more information and over time, because it's because it is very common, it's generally that you're you need to let go, you need to not be in control, you need to fail, you got to fail in order to succeed, you know, you, so it's sort of like a, a more of like a tug of war, sort of scenario that's going on. And you know, which I see ego a lot in dreams as well, like right after somebody has a breakthrough dream, you know, like they've really, uh, whatever they've been going through has really made, you know, a transformation for them. Then I start to see this ego retaliation in the dreamscape. Like they'll start to turn, you know, some sex thing into shame or, you know, like, it, you know, so, so in the same way, like in, at some portion in, in this go, this tug of war that goes on between the dream, you know, trying to like move you beyond your limiting behavior, you know, that, that sense of failing or not measuring up or, um, you know, not succeeding, not having the right answer, being made a fun of, you know, that's, that's ego's reason for not trying something new. That's his number one little, you know what I mean? Wow. It's like very powerful. The, the number one thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, this is something I do for a living. So obviously <laughs> it's like, I've seen them. I've seen the movie a hundred thousand times. I can tell you every line or, you know what I mean? It's that simple, but for most people, this all probably sounds very foreign. Oh, <laughs> but, but it's not, for, At, the, the dream is not foreign because we've all had it. Yeah. But I mean, the idea that, you know, of, of learning a different, you know, which brings up a very important point. Um, I call it the 24 hour mind because we, we are, conscious and going through life and we are experiencing things that are changing us and then we go to sleep and then and some of that information gets transformed in very clever ways to embody ideas you know that transform us and we're spending nearly a third or, or a third almost a half of our life in that other condition of interacting with our ideas and then we wake up and maybe we've been changed a little bit and you know what we dream it kind of goes back and forth so it's so I call it the 24-hour mind because it there should be no boundaries like we are learning just as powerfully in the dreamscape as we are through our daily experience and you know the, you know what I mean like whether or not we're remembering that we are we are creatures that were designed to have this, I call it a digestive organ, you know, it's, we're taking in and assimilating some, some good things, and then we're eliminating some things that are, you know, toxic, and yeah. so it's kind of, you know, it's the same process, and, and just as we would, you know, enjoy putting, um, pomegranates in a nice little, you know, rice dish or something, you know, there's, there's no reason that we can't be looking at what we're dreaming for the, you know, for the nourishment to see it. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, why are we here anyway? We're here to learn. Exactly. Oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention the oracles, uh, you know, because I, if you've looked at my website, Cafe Our Soul, I have, you know, the dream dictionary that, and I also have 
oracles there. So there's an Yijing reading. I think it's the number one Yijing in the world, mm. online Yijing. And the tarot that, is, you know, because I know I would say most people aren't remembering their dreams. And in the same way that we are living in this, let's say, 24-hour experience of uh, of what we're learning in the dreamscape and what we're projecting, you know, maybe by day, because our inner world becomes very, our, the, the condition of our inner world becomes very much an active part of how we judge experience, whether, you know what I mean? We carry a lot of baggage around with us. And um, since, you know, we're not remembering our dreams and our dreams are allowing us to kind of be more objective, to look at some of these ideas more objectively and fast forward our growth, oracles, you know, are, are providing that same inner dialogue, you know, that same little um, intimate conversation. And, and be, because I feel like it's all the same message over and over, like I said, the dream will repeat with the same theme. We would throw cards or coins and we're going to kind of get the same information that, or you could say the mind, the psyche wants something uh, nature drives it to us in our dreams Who, who's to say why and, and what but the, in this growth process that we're going through the mind wants this key to, to its freedom and so you know so oracles can become a really uh, great way of beginning that sort of like objective dialogue with Oh, well, what, what I'm getting the queen of swords. What's it? What do you, you know, I didn't really stop to think that I might be jaded or I got, I threw the 44 Yijing hexagram. Oh, well, I, you know, that's kind of like the shadow. And, you know, so it's sort of like, uh, gives you the opportunity to kind of be a little bit more self-reflective. And then again, if, as you're working with it, it seems to reveal a lot of information. And so it can teach you, you know, to have more respect for this part of us that seems to know us better than we know ourselves I don't know does that sound too who no. he, why oracles work I would I would reduce it to projection <laughs> because an idea wants to be discovered yeah and and it's also the question is just as important as the answer that you're getting from these oracles too you want to really refine it exactly Right. And I mean, and that's a point too, because I think we, we go through life looking for answers when life is really a question, mm -hmm. because if it's continuing, as long as we're alive, there wouldn't be an answer. There would just be like, you know, okay, well, does that feel good? Or that, you know, and, and in dreams and in oracles, they, they're, they're more powerful when we look at it as a question. So yeah, it can have an, it will be an answer, but generally the information should surprise us in, in a way that we would then pose the question to ourselves, mm. like you and your gray shirt, you know, um, or why you would, you know, pull 32 duration as an Yijing hexagram. Mm. Um, you know, what, what, what part, what, what part of your life are you not committing to, or, you know, so they kind of, to me, they all, they go hand in hand. And I, you know, I kind of, a lot of my books are, you know, explore all of our ancient, I've translated the Tao Te Ching, the Yijing, you know, I've worked with shamans and, you know, any, any time I can get a hold of some ancient ideas from books, I, I find the common thread of these archetypes, these symbols, these, you know, that become like the mm -hmm. answers for my dream dictionary, let's say, you know what I mean? Or the oracles or, or whatever. That was why I wrote the book on Babylonian astrology, because it's very different than the homogenized version that we have today mm. you know it's uh I, I wrote a book called decoding the night sky that uh like libra was you know ravening dogs not oh scales <laughs> you know like there's some very different imagery there yeah so but um i like uh, you know kind of like studying our ancient roots for how all of this information can be relevant today yeah I find also the Chinese uh, astrology symbols are also very um, powerful and relevant. Maybe, I don't know if yeah. about um, looking in the future, but as far as like your personality and everything, I feel, you know, absolutely. Chinese, 
That's funny because I, I just did an astrology reading the other day, a Western version. And, and it's like a language, you know, when you see that big wheel with the lines and these little glyphs, they're like letters that form sentences and depending on the house. And there's a lot of information there in a Western chart, but you can always like this person had a grand water trine and uh, he, he ended, you know, he, his Chinese sign was the water. I can't, I can't remember right now, but it's like, I can look at the Western version and it's like this incredible HTML, mm -hmm. you know, back coding of this story. And you look at the Chinese version, uh, you know, uh, you know, for example, I'm Aries rising Aries moon with Gemini sun and I'm a water tiger and I have a grand water trine and there's the water and the sensitivity psychic you could call it or whatever this you know nurturing and then the Aries aggressiveness with the tiger and you know so it okay. all, it's all the same story <laughs> do you know what your Chinese sign is yeah yeah I'm iron ox and this happens to be my year oh um so uh, this anyway metal I, I, is it metal ox? yeah okay yeah and, and, and I bet it. if we looked at your chart we would find a lot of air um you know things that relate to air, Libra, Gemini, Aquarius, yeah, uh, I am Libra, Uranus. Yeah. Okay. And Uranus prominent and you'd get the same story. I guess that's my point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, neat. I never thought of them working together. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and you have written about synchronicity and dreams. And until I saw your mention of the two of them together, I never imagined there was any alignment. Tell me more about synchronicity and dreams. Oh, okay. Um, well, Carl Jung is the one who actually studied dreams. So uh, he followed Freud, obviously, but, you know, he's the one who came up, who came, who gave a lot more wings to the idea of synchronicity. Yeah. And it's, and it's really the concept of synchronizing something. So what is it that's being synchronized is something that seems to be inside in the inner world. We think of in here with something that's happening out there. So everything we've kind of been talking about up to now in terms of, you know, the experiences that we have by day and then these uh, dreams that we're having by night, when people work, do dream work with me, synchronicity becomes like almost uh, daily, day, day, a daily event for them because they're so wow. aware, they're more aware of what's going on in the inner world, right? So, so the word synchronicity links up, you know, something that should be inside with, um, with a, with an event, for example, so you may be meditating and uh, have a image of a dragonfly, and then the next day you're you know out on your patio doing yoga and a, a dragonfly you know lights down. Well, here was you in your mind, and now here's you in your outer world. Uh, you know, so that dragonfly becomes kind of like an archetype, right? There is not one answer for what a dragonfly means, and that's the fun of it. You've been given a dragonfly go see what it means to oh. you and you'll read all types of stuff and some of it will resonate. And, and which is, which is kind of like, this is my idea. I don't know that it can be validated, but deja vu is a similar process because deja vu is like, why do I just know that this next thing's going to happen? Or, you know, I feel like deja vu is happening when we're not aware of what we're dreaming. So to me, synchronicity is a very uh, normal and uh, busy part of you know, which like when I'm doing dream work with somebody, I would say that what I'm seeing taking place in the dream and, and my dream work is, is a process of uh, letting the dream ask the questions. I present the questions to them. They send back the answers. And, you know, so it's kind of this process. It usually takes about two weeks before they're getting the shift in the way their perspective or whatever the dream's trying to do. It usually takes some time. And I see synchronicity playing the part of like an initiation. Um, for example, a person might not admit that they are not happy in a situation and they dream of being in the bathroom, doing something in the bathroom or the, you know, <clears throat> and that's kind of a symbol of coming clean, you know, getting naked, revealing ourselves, being, you know, whatever. And so, um, you know, then maybe the next day they're having, they had to like undress in front of a bunch of people or, you know, so these sort of, if they didn't know they had that dream, they wouldn't know that it's synchronicity. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, you know totally. that that some, something would all of a sudden my husband's back the bath somebody opened the bathroom door on us or you know like something with their underwear. So um, so so the synchronicity becomes kind of that. Um, it, it feels to me again thinking in terms of the twenty four hour mind. It's the part of the puzzle where it's like okay. You're getting it. You're getting it. Now let's throw it out there in experiential reality and let's see how you do. Mm. What's going to be your answer, right? And and you can go with whatever and, you know, you move on through your transformation or you can continue to, you know, read it wrong <laughs> yeah. and get angry and, you know, move four steps back or, you know, that kind of thing. So just to answer your question, it's a very active part of dreaming to me. Wow. Um, also, uh, when, when you go through, a, when you get blessed with synchronicity, you know, if you get a moment and you get one of these incredibly cool experiences, for some reason, I feel it makes you kind of step back instead of like living your life of all the addressing all the things that come up in front of you, you, it makes you lift up and sort of look, look at the bigger picture of your life for just a moment. And I think that's very valuable too. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of, it would be the same thing as if you, you know, had, were blessed enough to have a dream you remembered, let's say, mm. or, you know what I mean? Like if there's somebody who doesn't, it's kind of the same process, just um, something got your attention and, uh, and it does feel magical and life yeah. should be magical. That's yes. the other part of, I agree. you know, that's what, like, like the work I do is really in the end, the big takeaway is a more joyful and an experience of being at the threshold and, and wonder. You know, you don't have to figure it all out. The less you know, the better, you know, like yeah. it can be, life can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it's so important to take, to step out of the daily quotidian, you know, problem solving every single second. It's very valuable. It's beautiful. Now you've also written that every dream has three parts to it that present conflict, a pathway to resolution. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the three parts. So it will show kind of the issue and then it will show uh, how it uh, was created or where it's coming from and then uh, the path to the resolution. And you can generally see it happening when you're in one landscape and it morphs into another. And um, I can give you kind of an example, if you Please. like, of, of a dream, a, a person's actual dream. Okay, so let's say um, that this gal... Uh, her dream sequence began with her being on a boat in choppy water. Um, so, and it was very frightening or, you know, she was going to be overwhelmed. And that was the first part of the dream. We know it morphed into the second part because all of a sudden now she's in the boat repair shop. So it's still about the boat or the, you know, there's still this, the same dream, but, but now she's not on the boat. She can see the boat sticking up with just the top of the boat showing from the water. And, she, you know, so she's trying to get her boat fixed. So it, um, it tells me, okay, there's some emotional thing that's kind of thrown her off balance or is feel, feeling her emotions have, you know, overwhelmed her. But uh, this idea of the boat sticking up is like, whatever it is that's going on is just kind of on the surface. There's a lot more under, under the water. So now in the second part of the dream, oh, and so let's, let me give you some background on her. She had been promoted and now a coworker became a subordinate and maybe was not uh, playing along happily with the whatever. And whatever happened, she had to reprimand this coworker and didn't feel good about it. You know, so that's kind of, you know, that led to maybe this like rough water, you know, kind of thing. And then the boat sunk because she is in this new job and she doesn't like, you know, what, what happened. So anyway, now she's in the second part of the dream. She's in the repair shop and she's trying to get someone to help her. And the trickster shows up. And, uh, and now this starts to take us into the third part because the third part is what I call the aha. And it's usually the most bizarre. In fact, it's funny because pe people will start telling me their dream and then like, oh, but then at this point, you know, there was like an elephant that was eating corn cobs. So that you know, was kind of weird or whatever yeah. it is, you know, yeah. they, they dismiss it. I'm like, no, no, that's the third part. That's like the, aha, uh -huh, that's the, that's the way through the way through. So she's looking for help in this boat repair shop and this trick trickster character says, oh, and he's like kind of giving her, you know, ask John McConnell. And so she's like, who's John McConnell? I don't know. She doesn't know what he's talking about. And he says, you know, your closet. And so that's her dream, right? 
And, and, and normally somebody would just go, oh, yeah, I had a dream of this boat and la, 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 and dismiss the whole thing. But in the same way, the boat was partially submerged, the top's still sticking out. Now we've got the closet. This is the repetitive theme that I was mentioning, that the same thing. And so you get a sense that there's some part of her, because everybody's her, that is kind of challenging her on this John McConnell side of her that's in the closet. Right. Like like almost as if to ask the question is, if you, are you adopting this behavior or do you believe in what you're doing? You know, have you become John McConnell, you know, or does that make sense? So there's like this this thing hidden away in the, in the, in the closet. So so that morphing, the morphing from here's the boat, it's on the water, tells us there's something um, going on with her, which, you know, emotionally she's distraught and then trying to fix it, how it, how it got started. Well, you know, there's this part of her that she didn't completely move authentically into this position, let's say, or, um, oh, and that's the other cool part of the third, the third part of a dream is it's prophetic. You know, mm. I see this over and over. So in the dream, after he tells her, you know, your closet, then he says, oh, in three weeks, it'll be fixed. And that, that's, that ends the dream. So in real life, and she was not able to sort of ride it through with this coworker now subordinate or, or whatever, you know, it was kind of a very challenging thing for her. But in three weeks, her boss let that coworker go over some other situation. Wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, but, you know, so I would say it's the morphing that shows when it's going from, you know, first to second to third. And the, um, the crazy part in the third is where, you know, you get that question, are you being authentic in this new role or, you know, because unless you feel it, you know, unless you're connected to what you're saying, it is going to feel like you're talking like a ventriloquist from a, from a <laughs> closet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, wow. I always thought dreams were just individual scenes, but looks like we're learning something new, that it's the story, the continuum of it. That's also very meaningful. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've been writing about for a long time, the three parts of every dream. I don't know that you'll find a lot of, you know, other people talking about it, but it, because this is what I do, I see it a lot, you know, and it's very, it's proven to be very, uh, you know, uh, repetitive enough that I can say, in my opinion, we, we have three parts to dream and it changes when they morph. <laughs> Um, Carrie, tell me more about where people can find all this interesting work that you're doing, especially start with this um, app. Okay, so the app, okay, so the app is um, available for both um, uh, Google, Android, that's, mm -hmm. uh, it's available, it's available as Android on Google and Amazon, and it's available as iTunes, it's a phone and an iPad app, and it basically allows you to type in your dream and then you get, it gives you all the links and it's not just choosing the words that you typed in. It'll give you associated synonyms as well. Uh -huh. And then it has a diary. And so, um, what's the you know, name? that apps, it's called way, way of dreams, way of dreams. What, okay. Yeah. It has like a little boy on a, on a moon blowing a dandelion. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then I also have the website, uh, cafe, a soul. Mm -hmm. that has a dream dictionary and I'm launching, I think it's next Friday is a, is a whole new version of the site. And now the, now I have that, that type your dream in function will be in the new website as well. It doesn't have a diary like the app has, but you'll still be able to type your dream in and get kind of the same, the same information. So that's kind of cool. And, oh, and on the website, you would, uh, you know, find the oracles. So you, so they're there and there's uh, in the shop section, you can, you know, look at the classes or I do one-on-one -on -one coaching by sessions or three weeks to dream work. I teach, you know, Taoist type uh, living joyfully in the moment of wonder kind of, you know, Taoism is really mm -hmm. a, the philosophy of eliminating boundaries. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, and that's funny because I, because I do that in everything. Like I, if I'm writing a book I'm always you know I'm trying I, I I don't like how wars and and religions separate us and so I'm always trying to find the common thread and I do that in my music too it's like I will bring two 
I'll mix reggae with Vedic stuff, or I'll mix like Eastern European with the Holy Roller Bible chants, or, you know, like mm. I'll mix it all together to just sort of create this very like spiritually, a lot of percussions got modern and ethnic percussions mixed together. I've won, well, I was nominated for, you know, best world album, best uh, chill groove. And, but it's really for meditation and yoga. You know, I've even Great. gone into a yoga studio and, and heard when I tracks playing, that was kind of cool because oh. I'm on Spotify and all that stuff, but. Oh, good. We'll so. look and then the book decoding the night sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was uh, that that is uh, the astrology from ancient Babylon. So that's on Amazon. And um, and I'd say, like, if, if you're into astrology, you really enjoy it because it, it's got a lot of information that took a lot of research, but will help you deepen your understanding of of what became the science that we know today. Mm. And um, you have some music videos you're putting out? Yes, and that's for the Radio God album. Um, and that's kind of, uh, it's based on the idea that what if all of our media signals went out there and got mixed together and played back. So the sound, like I was mixing I Love Lucy, Lucy with like, you know, the surf guitar and the yeah. videos were fun because I was able to like give visual, the visual story to, to the inspiration of the track you know wow oh and one thing too i wanted to just say about that babylon astrology book yes is the in that book in the research i saw glyphs that go back to 10,000 15,000 like it there's a sense that that astrology is way older than the babylonians because that would have that would only take us back to like 2000 BC or, you know, so that, so there's some other stuff in there too. If you, if anybody who's into ancient astronaut theory or ancient civilizations or, you know, that was a really fun book to put together. (laughs) Oh, that's so fascinating, Carrie. Thank you so much for talking to me today. People can read more about what you're doing in the show notes. And uh, again, I appreciate everything and hope you have a great day. Well, it was very, yeah, it was very nice to meet you and Um, Thanks so much for having me. I spoke to dream analyst Carrie Hone, the author of The Mind's Mirror Dream Dictionary and The Mythology of Sleep, The Waking Power of Dreams. Her latest book is called Decoding the Night Sky, Ancient Babylonian Astrology. Carrie has created two apps, Way of Dreams Interpreter Tool and the top-rated I Ching, Café O Soul. You can learn more about Carrie's work at CaféOSoul.com. That's CaféAUSoul.com. Thanks for listening to Mind, Body, and Beyond. Be sure to subscribe. Subscribe.